Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast as, well, round two hasn't technically started yet. Doesn't start until tonight. Uh, the Avs are out, but there's still playoff hockey in Colorado to talk about with the Colorado Eagles in the middle of their second round series with the Coachella Firebirds. Uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the prospect talk as well beyond just the Colorado Eagles uh, season and how they've been doing. But AJ, Rudo, Megan coming to you live on a Tuesday in the middle of May. What do we do with our free time? Yeah. Do we just still come here and talk hockey? Because that's what we know how to do. So yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. Uh, let's start with where they're at, Megan. Eagles up 2-1 in this series. Have a good chance to move on to the third round of the AHL playoffs here. First of all, how far do you think they can go in these playoffs? You know, a lot of my frame of reference was last year's team <clears throat> and based on what they did in the playoffs last year. Sure. But they have surprised me in so many ways with this group that I don't want to put a, a limit to what they're capable of. Though their challenge, if they are able to secure the one win that's needed for them to advance, is getting past a Calgary team that they were unable to get past last year. Yep. And I think that's going to continue to pose a challenge, especially because their parent club isn't in the playoffs, so they're going to be loaded with all their best players. That's, I don't want to say like that's technically true of Colorado right now as well, but as we're about to get into, the yeah. state of things for the Colorado Eagles has been very chaotic this season as well. So even though they get some reinforcement in Brad Hunt and Ben Myers, it is still a very interesting Eagles lineup. But where I'm going with this is why I don't want to rule them out. Um, at least I think they can advance past Coachella. I really feel confidently of that. Calgary poses the same challenges last year. But the thing that gives me encouragement is year by year, the Eagles get further and they get better. Even this year, they finish in the exact same third in the Pacific wins percentage is the same exactly as they did last year, in spite of all of the difficulties that they have faced this season. And so I actually think that had they been dealing with a full lineup, we probably would have seen them finish closer to second in the Pacific, really challenging Coachella no. for that placement, truthfully. So all that to say, I think they're capable of more than people might give them credit for, even among the chaos, because what they do really well in Loveland is teach their system. They scout players specifically because they believe that they're going to buy in to play exactly how they'd like for them to play. And I think that's why the execution, the product that you see, has some semblance of consistency, even when the lineup doesn't have that benefit. For that reason, I think uh, I'm excited for them. I'm curious to see what happens. They've also just, they've gotten better in goaltending, in my opinion. That's a strength that Eustace played really well last year in the Calder Cup playoffs, but it's just gotten even better for them this year that there are ways in which this group has improved from last year. Yep. I, I, I do want to get into the players. We'll get into all that in just a second. I wanted to start with the, eh, maybe not the front office, but certainly the coaching staff at very least. As At this point, Greg Cronin has kind of established and made his mark on the Colorado Eagles as that guy in the Avalanche organization. I always struggle with how much credit does the coaching staff deserve versus, you know, the players. Obviously, the guys out in the ice actually playing the hockey are scoring the goals, winning the games. But how much of that, as you talked about a little bit, with scouting guys to get in their systems and getting them to play a certain way, how much credit does Cronin deserve for that? 
It's Cronin and company and a hundred percent. Okay. There is credit to be given to the players <laughs> too, but keeping in mind that this has been a rotating carousel of players, you absolutely have to then look at the coaching staff and assign some credit because it's Cronin at the helm, of course, but some of what they do really well as a, a team is they're all really committed to winning at all costs. And so that level of passion is seen through every member of the coaching staff down to the equipment managers and the trainers. It's everybody. And some of what they've done well is they've relied a lot on the coaching staff to bring players into the fold using film and one-on-one -on -one meetings to introduce them to systems. And what I want to point out is that one of the key differences in this year's Eagles group is goal scoring. They had among league leaders in goal scoring points producers last year. That was a little bit harder for them to come by this year in part because of the inconsistencies, but also just players leaving Kiefer Sherwood, Dylan Sakura. No. And so coming in, Charles Houdon obviously picks up the slack there in a lot of ways, but on the whole, the Eagles were just not producing the same way as they did last year. So then you really then look to the team defense and the goaltending as to why they've been able to have the success that they've had. And that goes back to systems. And that is where Tim Branham and Aaron Schneekloth as assistant coaches to Greg Cronin really come into play because Greg Cronin works with players one on one with the attention to defensive details. But Aaron Schneekloth specifically is someone who works with the defensemen, sets the D pairs. And so he's been a huge part in helping their decor to sort of bolster up because they had Jordan Gross last year. He was the Leeds points getter of all defensemen. That really changed the identity of what this decor looked like this year. There was a lot more of a focus on defensive defense. And for that reason, I think this is where the Eagles have grown in ways. And I, I look to Aaron Schneekloth and Greg Cronin and the work that Greg Cronin has done with a lot of the forwards to make them more reliable defensively for some of the success that they've had. Okay. I, I want to throw this one to AJ. A lot of this out of the Eagles control with the abs injuries this year, with the way things have gone, you've seen a lot of roster movement. Megan kind of alluded to a lot of that. Mm. How has the uh, development atmosphere, that's not the right word that I'm looking for, but I don't know the word. I can't think of it. Have they been able to develop players in the ways they want, despite the inconsistency of the lineups and, and some of the issues that they've faced this year? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think it's just been challenging, yeah. would be how I would put it. Again, not not putting it on the organization. They can't control injury. But. Yeah, and I mean, what they could, con could control is they made the choices to move on from Kout and from Bauer. For sure. And, you know, to... to get cute with Megna and McDonald and yeah, you know, uh, the Megna claim is still one of the wildest things. I, I just There's something malicious. It's, yeah. it's, it's a spite claim. I will go to my grave believing it was spite. Um, but no, I, I, I don't think it has been like the, the healthiest development environment for the guys. Um, they, it's, it's really hard to get into a consistent role. It's really hard to prepare for the NHL yep. uh, and and, and get into a groove of playing hockey a certain way. Really, the one guy that you feel really, really good about this year and taking a step forward is Jean-Luc Foudy. I agree. The rest of them, you know, you 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 continue to see, you know, Oscar Olauson battled uh, some injuries. And you want to talk about lineup inconsistency. 
it it was just an adventure for him this year. Yep. As he kind of like meandered through the lineup, but you could see like why you're excited about him. Like for why sure. why the, the Avalanche still pretty sick when he right, can unleash like why it, the yeah. Avalanche wanted to take a look at him, yep. you know? Like it was you continue to see like raw tools down there where you're intrigued by guys. You're not giving up on them. Yeah. But the lack of appreciable growth from a guy like Sample Ranta, mm-hmm. you're disappointed in. But you also know that this environment has been really hard mm-hmm. for a guy like that who, when he gets to the NHL, look, the hope is that he could be a, a fourth-line guy who skates really well and he hits and he's he plays sound defense and he's got enough offensive upside to chip in and, and be helpful. and have And he's got great size. Yep. There's no reason to be giving up on that guy. You're going to give him as long as he needs for that light bulb to come on and for that whole package of tools to come together. It took him a couple years in Minnesota. Might be just taking him a couple of years with the Eagles as well. Um, but that is, you know, that that environment is challenge, has been challenging this year and not ideal. It's not the kind of environment that you want. You would love for your NHL roster to stay healthy and to stop pulling from the top of your AHL roster all the time. Yep. You would love for the bottom of your AHL roster to have some consistency and to literally not be shuttling in a bunch of a bunch of PTOs because a month into the season, two of your defensemen leave for the KHL. Yeah. Like you would love to not have these kinds of really weird things happen all at the same time, because this is, this is truly one of the wildest years that we have seen in the AHL from the Avalanche it's affiliate as for as long as I can remember. Madness the entire year. Yeah. Mikhail Maltsev has his tendon sliced and missed almost the entirety of the season. That yep. is somebody that would have been a black ace, probably would have spent time in the NHL this season. Oh, 100%. Yes. Just no longer an option. Yep. Honestly, it brings about some of the depth in the middle. Like you see them give up on um, Anton Bleed in return for centerman. That's a lot of the reason why is. Everything just took a toll down the middle. Ben Myers wasn't quite as NHL ready as I think they had hoped that he would be. I think if he had spent an entire year at the American League and it was a little bit more consistent, it would be a really different conversation. But the context that AJ is providing is so necessary here. Even in the case of Sam Poranta, who misses almost the entirety of last year with an injury, is coming into this season then. It's like his full, real second season and year and a half honestly like it's not even he hasn't really had a, a runway that has been complete for him just yet and it's also riddled with inconsistency first full pro year for oscar Lawson. injury doesn't help he gets his nhl debut evan rodriguez goes down in that game those lines get shuffled he gets sheltered even more we just don't really know what he looks like on an nhl stage just yet mm-hmm. but looking at the beginning of the year i liked what i saw in terms of oscar Lawson's ability to receive messaging because Some of where he has received criticism in the past is he gets puck watching in the offensive zone. And he was much more engaged, hunting for pucks, heavy on the forecheck. At the beginning of the year, he really internalized that, and you saw it translate into his game. So like AJ saying, if we had seen more of a consistent full year for Oscar Lawson in terms of line mates alongside him, I think we would have been a lot more pleased with what we were seeing. But there's still so much to be hopeful for, especially with Lawson. And Ronta, different extent, like what their upside is projected to be is also very different from one another, but there's still the potential very much there 
Foodie, of course, sort of coming to the top of the pack because he gets in nine NHL games and looks a lot more comfortable there. And something that I think about a lot with Foodie is the age. Myers comes straight from the NCAA, but he's 23, 24. Foodie has not yet turned 21. So to see him look as comfortable as he did in nine NHL games, knowing that there's still time for Foodie to continue developing, get Mm -hmm. right to with his injury that has been nagging him, there's so much excitement to to still have around Foodie as well. And the just for for the foodie thing, it feels like it's he's been here forever. It does. Because this is his third pro year. But keep in mind that for a normal drafted this OHL prospect, first, this yeah. would have been his first pro season. Yep. So for him to be on this timeline and to have the kind of pro debut that he did this year is really encouraging. Yep. Uh, and I guess we'll talk about this later, yeah. but um, he is a he is a guy that you should be looking to find space for. You should yeah. you should be keeping in your NHL, not opening maybe yeah. not opening night roster, but certainly Top in of your the call up list. At yeah, very least. he yeah. he should be a guy that you start talking about at the start of next season as you know somebody gets hurt in the first month like you want to see that guy like that is a guy that is going into the the, the training camp of net for next year will be the biggest one of his life because that is going to be the first time that he is going to be actually competing hey, for a job we want to see something here um, we want an excuse here like make us keep you yeah i i we can get back to the foodie conversation in a little bit i do want to dive more into that but before we go there, I, I did want to talk a little bit more organizationally looking at the Eagles. The Evs have made their decisions, you know, obviously, with Sir Ravliov going back to the KHL this year. Mm-hmm. They were essentially operating with zero proper prospects on the defensive side professionally for the majority of the year. Yeah, I don't know how true that is. But I'm the Wyatt Amot truther, so. Okay. Well. I just want to say, I believed him before the rookie tournament. It's and true. we all saw him and we're like, okay. It's true. Megan's per, been there from day perhaps. one. Perhaps. I mean, let me She's ask. She's been there from day one. So, so let me ask you this. I got there on day 30. <laughs> Today, who's closer to the NHL, Wyatt Amot or Sam Malinsky? Sam Malinsky. I would say Sam Malinsky, just because of the way that he plays the game. But also the reason why for why they might, may, might be the same reason because yeah. the Avs don't really need another, another, yeah, another yeah. one of those. They could use kind of a, if you're going to replace a Jack Johnson and you look at the Colorado Eagles, you go, which of these guys best does that job? It's why an Amon. I mean, it might actually be Keaton Middleton. In the, mid- in the media, it's Keaton Middleton. But, but in the long run. Yeah. If you give him another year to, okay. you know, I want to see what Wyatt Amont does because I have been consistently surprised, even when I go back and watch film on him this year, I'm, I'm like, dude, the guy, he's just solid. So there's nothing sexy about him. The, the upside's limited, but. Okay. Uh, look, I'm willing to give them even, credit for even, AMOT. Even, even if we're talking about AMOT as like a true NHL prop, like I know what you mean. I'm, so I'm not worried about it. I but yes, like the, the defensive depth does not scream. It's not, it's not banging on the NHL door very loudly. The question I'm kind of digging at here is, do the Avs deserve to be knocked a little bit for 
not controlling their their defensive prospect pool very well. Look, they won a cup. Obviously, you're never going to complain about that. Making moves was worth it. But is there a little bit of, hey, disappointment that they didn't do a better job of having some prospects, more prospects in that pool, compared to how much credit did they get for going out and finding Amos and Malinsky's to help bolster them. I'm sorry, but Andreas England spent two years in, in Loveland and turned into Jack Johnson. You didn't have to give up a draft pick because you had Andreas England. Yeah. And that first year of Andre, Andreas England's introduction to Colorado was on the heels of a really serious injury that impacted his vision. So it was understandably from the numbers side, not great. Yep. Second year, though, when he's fully back at action, that's when he gets the call up from the Avalanche and becomes an Ooh. NHL regular at least in somebody's lineup mm -hmm. and i perfectly serviceable for chicago after the trade I, so. I just i don't know how you could feel bad about how they handled their decor okay because they draft you look at they draft mccarr they draft byram those guys they, are in your lineup. obviously they knocked those, they draft that whole stretch out they of draft the baron they draft hellison they let them develop they let them do their thing yep <laughs> those guys are ready to turn pro but they move them both for pieces that at the deadline that contribute to a stanley cup and then get re-signed yeah i mean you can and throw timmons in that conversation too yeah you feel yeah and timmons absolutely throw timmons into that conversation he gets he gets moved for your the starting goaltender of your Stanley Cup team. Yep, he's the one that moves on, but that's not the okay. problem at that point. That yeah. is okay. Uh, you you do look at. I just don't know. I just don't know how you feel that bad about it. I mean, you don't love how the first year of Josh Manson's new deal went. Sure, but that's, you'll that's, never un you'll ne the flags fly forever. They yep. won't unwin the Stanley Cup. Yep. Um, with the move that they made for Hellison, who had expressed reticence about signing in Colorado because he didn't know if there was a path to the NHL. So you were probably going to have to move that guy anyway if he wasn't going to if he wasn't interested in signing with you. Yeah. So they did fine there, and you, it's it. How could you possibly feel bad about him? Who would you rather have, Justin Barron or Arturi Lekkinen? I mean, I just, I mean, it's lacking in 10 times out of yeah, 10. I just but. don't, I just don't know, you know, given how the team is constructed, you know, so it came at a cost. They invested lots of assets in the position. It was their deepest position. Uh, and they used three prospects. Yeah. You, you talk about cashing in on prospects while they still have value there before they get to the NHL and are bad or whatever. You know, when when the prospect value starts to decline, when they get there and it's like, oh, man, like maybe this guy doesn't have it. They cashed in on all three of those guys for assets that won them a Stanley Cup. You feel great about that for sure. And you look at the defense and you you're you still have Gerard locked up long term. Byram's new contract is due. It will be signed to the summer, whatever it will be. Yeah. Uh, your your Kel McCarr is going to be an ab for life. Like you're not having conversations. Yeah, uh, it, uh, you know, at the NHL level, you're looking at it going, we don't need, you know, and graduations. And yeah, you do. Your top defensive prospect is still in college. Chose to go back for another year. And yeah. all right. Yep. You know, you there's there shouldn't be any reason to love Sean Barron's any less today than you did a year ago. Their handling of Barron's will be. Telling, how I engage yeah. with this conversation that's a, too. That's a good call out. Yeah. After Hellison and Barron. I'm looking to Barons then to see how the organization handles that. It, Losing Jaravalov 
hurts. That was also completely out. That of was a guy that they actually had. Just dissipates, right? Like yep. that. That is tough. It's out of their control. It's definitely a part of this conversation, and where I think then their moves with adding Wyatt Amit, Sam Malinsky, really are going to David Ference. I don't know if he has NHL upside, but that bolsters the American League club. Similarly, sure. um, they're they're finding these options in alternative ways, even though someone like Rob Hamilton does leave for the KHL, then this is sort of made up for in the acquisition of David Ferentz. And to a different extent, Merkley. Yeah, I, I, the Merkley one is a whole other conversation. We'll get into it. But first, we're brought to you by Game Time. Uh, you can go over to GameTime.com. There's a link in the description. You can use the DNVR code to get 20 bucks off your purchase. You can get tickets up to 60% off their full price. Uh, a really good way to get Nuggets tickets. I know a lot of the folks at DNVR have been, uh, I don't want to say sneaking into playoff games, but when prices are up a little bit for the Nuggets, you know, it feels like you're getting a steal of a deal with game time to get into those. So You make it sound like we use our credentialed guy to hold open the side door, to shuttle in all the DNVR employees. Pack into the press box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me a break with this. No, but it, it does feel like that with game time sometimes because you can get really good tickets, uh, not just the Nuggets, any sporting event, not just here in Colorado, but wherever you are. If the Seattle fans are still lurking in our chat, you can get tickets to crack and play off games with game time, too. Well, they so. have a Dallas pod to go crash. Oh, just kidding. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, go check them out. Uh, you can get their game time app. They've been used by over 15 million people and be sure to use the DNVR code when you're getting your tickets. There's also a link down in the description that you can use. Uh, and then we're also brought to you by illegal Pete's. You can get yourself delicious burritos here in Colorado, 10 different locations, including one, just a couple of blocks away from the bar. It's a great place to pregame for those nuggets playoff games. You're coming down to the bar to watch these away games. The nuggets have coming up. So, Go check them out. They got fresh ingredients, delicious burritos. Like a week. Their queso is to die for. Yeah, I know they have four days off or whatever it is. It's ridiculous. But uh, you know what? You can keep yourself full with illegal pizza while you wait. That also works. Uh, Their happy hours are from 3 to 6 p.m. with fantastic margaritas, too. Check them out. They even have a location out in Arizona. So no excuses, PHNX fam. Get your illegal pizza where you can. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I think this is a conversation that kind of stands on its own when it comes to Ryan Merkley. It's someone the Avs actively went out and traded for. Obviously, there was a bunch of question marks around this guy since his draft year about, you know, who he is as a person. How has it gone, Megan? How, How do you feel about Ryan Merkley with the Eagles this season? I feel a couple things. The first is I believe this trade is more so to bring about an active roster player in Matt Nieto. And for sure. the Count Merkley is a one-for-one trade-for-scenery type thing. Yeah. Jacob McDonald being grouped in there stinks a little bit. <laughs> um, but I, I honestly am kind of happy for Jacob McDonald, the person <clears throat> to get regular NHL minutes than in San Jose. But for the purposes of what Merkley is meant to be, supposed to be, it's a little bit unknown. Things were not going well for him in San Jose. For sure. And the change of scenery is not a guarantee that his path to the NHL is made any easier or possible through Colorado. It's just different. It's a ch- it's quite literally a change of scenery. And so <clears throat> he has had an interesting time acclimating because you look at the play on ice by itself. It's not 
maybe what people had hoped for or exactly to expectation. But the shortcomings that he had in San Jose are still true here in Colorado. He needs to be a little bit stronger on the puck. There are just some mental lapses in judgment. And it's an issue of engagement for the full 60. And the thing about it that I want to make really clear, though, is by every account from everyone I've talked to up in Loveland, he is bought in. This isn't an attitudinal issue. He's a really great player, teammate. He's receiving the messaging that is necessary. It's not that there's any sort of defiance, and that's why he's not incorporating the messaging that he's receiving. It's just something that isn't quite clicking, but it's not because he's disrespectful and not listening to the coaching staff. And I just kind of want to make that clear because right now he's being sat out as a healthy scratch. That's the room that we're in with Ryan Merkley presently. So I don't think anyone's given up on him. They're still trying to work with him on the necessary defensive details to get his game even American League ready. But it's a project. And whether or not this is a project that is for the Colorado Eagles to to carry on or for Merkley to to reevaluate too like it's at least different from what he had an opportunity to do in San Jose and I just really want to emphasize the part that I don't believe that Ryan Merkley the person is struggling on ice um, for anything related to who he is as a person I don't disagree there's a just tough call when Sam Malinsky comes in and takes your job yeah it was already on the brink yeah I mean it's just tough like it's and and the the engagement, I think when you watch him, it's like the one thing where you're like, yeah, he looked plenty engaged in the offensive zone. Like, he what, is. like yes. what are you what are you up to, man? It's like, that other zone that's the problem. You just it, the guy just totally shuts down. Yep. At times where, you know, it's it's not even like every shift. It's just like sometimes he just goes out there and just kind of drifts around, and you're like. Well, it, it, I'm, I'm just confused as to what's happening it's, here. It's interesting because I think back when Alex Newhook was in college, you saw a little bit similar to that, where at times when the puck wasn't an option for him, he felt like he was floating through shifts at times. Now when he got near the puck, <coughs> he would come alive in a way that I really haven't seen from Merkley on the defensive side. Yeah. When Merkley has the puck on his stick, all of a sudden that guy's doing stuff. He's looking like he's trying to get involved in plays. I agree. He's not super strong on the puck when someone challenges him, but you can see the skill there. My question is, how he do you really likes that 90 foot stretch? Yeah. Pass. Yeah. He sees it, man. <laughs> he sees it. And he, you would, one thing you really like, he's got full confidence to rocket that thing up the ice. And it's just how do you get that turned on yeah. when he's not directly playing the puck? And I yeah. don't know. I'd, I'd be an AHL coach if I knew how to get that skill turned on. But it's I, – I don't know how this one plays out. I don't have a good read on Merkley at all, to be honest with you. It's really up to Merkley. Yeah. To, to get his mind right in terms of because he, he's getting all the help that he needs. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he's a bad person. I wanted to add to that Nate Clerman becoming an American League regular also influences this. I think he was at one point just an ECHL call up that ends up sticking. Yeah. That just takes away opportunity for Merkley even to sit on the bottom pairing, second pairing. It's just not really an option. And obviously the emergence of Sam Alinsky then their needs offensively from their defensemen are being met through Malinsky quite well. Yeah. They just don't really have a need for what Markley brings right now, especially with the stakes high in the playoffs. It'll, I mean, I think it'll be another interesting test for, for Colorado as an organization. 
So the only guys they have under contract right now are Hunt, Malinsky, and Middleton. Going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've got Clerman, Merkley, and Amod are all RFAs. RFA, yeah. So, so uh, they will stick then, around if the organization wants them to. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Jacobs is a UFA and that sure. guy. Josh Jacobs turns into Jordan Gross turns into the next AHL yeah, whatever, guy. Whatever yeah. AHL defenseman that yep. they like. Yep. So it, it'll be an interesting group. And I, I think part of this conversation is we can draw in foodie as I think we all agree, probably the abs most exciting prospect at the AHL level going forward. See their top prospect right now. I feel like, Eustace has a oh, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of a it, it's always a, hard to one put a, the goalie. One B the goalie and skater list is always separate for me. That's <laughs> so fair. I just can't I can't put them on the same list. Um, I mean, would Foodie did Foodie jump Barons this year? I think with the success just of the because pro of level? the proximity to the NHL, I think yes. Okay. Uh, with Barons, there's just questions that have yet to be answered with how his current skills will translate at the pro level i believe that they will but that's more readily answered by foodie this year so i i do think that it's hard not to incorporate readiness in that because obviously foodie by proximity is closer to the nhl but yeah i i'm not quite sure like i'm trying to think in the nhl what my projected expectation is for role for foodie Maybe I'm getting carried away here. I think it's middle six wing. And for Barons, I genuinely don't know. I would hope to put him right at a second pairing. I mean, I think both of those are eventuallys. Oh, 100%. In the immediate. I think those are definitely. You're, you're looking more at a bottom six role for Foodie. But I think that's best case. I would love. Oh, God, I would love if Jean-Luc Foodie was a middle six yeah. guy. I mean, just give Can me I a make that? How do I snap my fingers minor? and make this happen? Because I'm ready. You want to know something, too? Is ready that for Jean-Luc. Is a change. I went from thinking, I have no idea where NHL Foodie would fit in an NHL lineup to it could be the fourth line. It has elevated this year yeah. to middle six projection in my eyes. Well, and, and here's. I completely agree with this because at the start of the year, yeah, what no, is Jean-Luc Foodie no in the clue. NHL? I, we Jean talked Luke about Foody? him on the pod, and I was like, I like Jean-Luc Foodie. What is he though? Well, I, here, what, but his game, his game has developed so much more than stuff. Just that breaking. scared me. Yeah. <laughs> so much more than guy that will take the puck, circle around the zone, try to make a high danger pass to somebody in the slot, and get a get a As, fantastic and it, assist. Inevitably turns it over half the time. Yeah, but. and his game has has grown so far beyond that, but still contains well, that it, element of. He is such a he's his potential for playmaking. He can do the legitimately high wire act if he wants to. Really, yeah. really, yeah. really high. Like that is a guy that if he has a forty assist season in the NHL, I'm not going to put that kind of thing past him because if he plays with the kind of finishers, if they could find some finishing talent around him, well, his playmaking his playmaking is superb. This is where I think it ties back into. In the AHL, they've gotten Foodie to buy into these systems, and it's not a perfect one-to-one, -one, but the, the organization kind of silos has the Eagles play a system that does, to some extent, prepare them for the NHL. And what we got to see out of Foodie this year, look, when someone gets called up to the NHL, you never know what you're going to get. You have to be able to make those decisions quicker. Everything happens faster. And to me, Foodie proved, hey, he can do it at that speed. He can play in these systems at an NHL caliber. 
Is he fully there would, yet? No. Would have been but, nice to see him with more of the other NHL players. I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's like more watching about, half an Eagles lineup. It's it was, more about oh, the guys sucks. they were playing against than it was about totally. His, his I get it. Mates. I'm just saying. But it, it's interesting to see that. And the, I'm not trying to put a knock on a guy like Olaus in here, but he's just not there yet. It, that's why he got the one game. Exactly. I mean, it was obvious that and. It's an important context to that that Megan added that Rodriguez gets hurt and then yeah. like Olsen's game is like the like, one guy like they were trying to staple him to shelter yeah. yeah and he didn't really get much of a chance to do anything there uh, but with with Foodie I, I did do think that there was enough good in the call up I was the pessimist about his call up yeah um I was the one that saw it and yeah, was until like, they were four games into it and you were like hmm yeah I mean. Obviously, the first game is a total train wreck. Oh yeah, but uh, what you love well is beyond foodie. <laughs> the, what you love is that he bounced back so well. Yep, uh, and and you know cleaned up some of the penalty issues and uh, just didn't let it get him down. Yep, because as we see, you know even right now with a guy like Alex Newhook, mm-hmm. you know confidence is just such an important part of a young player's development that they have to continue to believe that what has gotten them to this point in their life can continue to work they just have to do it you just have to believe that you can do it you're you have to play with that confidence uh and you know with foodie i want to see i want to see how it develops where it goes etc etc but uh i just don't know how you're anything but excited warm and fuzzy about where this could be headed for him because he is he has he has earned uh that level of excitement, that level of of trust, he just he has, he's earned it. Yep. He stayed around a point per game thereabouts until obviously injury. He was the all star representative for the Colorado Eagles because of this emergence in this year, and it's a continuation too of what he started last year in March through the Calder Cup playoffs last year. If not for injury, he was just continuing to trend in the right direction, too. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any sort of regression. When you saw him take that step forward, he just continued to gradually take more steps forward. What's what's been amazing is how few avalanche prospects have done this. Yeah. Where particularly on the forward side. They get drafted, they go to the AHL. Yeah. They show well. And then stagnate. And then they show well again. And then they just keep building. It's like the building blocks up to the NHL. They're building their own stairway to the NHL, but and never make the jump really. And yeah. well, and and you see it because JT Comfer was about as close as we got to a guy who had a traditional path. Yep. He, for some reason, he doesn't ever count as a development win for the Avs because he wasn't drafted by the Avs. I I don't know why that is, but whatever. Um, it it does continue to be kind of odd how few prospects you know one development is really hard of course but also the abs have been bad at it and that's just true they've just been bad at it yep there's no you can't the the trading make excuses for a decade of this the trading of martin cout and shane bowers exemplifies it perfectly right sure i i understand what you're saying but yeah. wherever you want to place the blame, they failed to get NHLers there. Right. And then you, I don't know. Well, we'll whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But giving a guy 90 seconds and he gets hurt and then you never give him another Very look. Very silly. I agree. I just, 
that's the stuff where you're just like, what are you doing to help yourself as an organization developmentally? You've waited years for this guy. Yep. You've given him a look. He gets one shift, he gets hurt. Obviously, that sucks. And the fact that he's continued to have injury problems, but that's the end of it for you. Yep. You just write it off at that point. You got to the finish line, and then we're like, no, I don't want to cross it. <laughs> so it, it has been frustrating to watch. Uh, very, very, very few Avalanche prospects get to the AHL and then have a second AHL season and build on it. Yeah. You know, their, their greatest AHL successes have come from reclamations, mm -hmm. you know, Ryan Graves and Andreas England types, yep. you know, the, the, these guys that other teams have already kind of given up on and, you know, Logan O'Connor was obviously really encouraging. You're hoping to get something like that out of this current crop of, yep. College UFAs, Sam Malinsky has jumped to the front of that line. Yep. Um, you need something out of Ben Myers. He was too big of a win for them in the college free agent signing. You got to get something out of him. Three goals in 60 games. Yeah. Gonna and do I it, don't man. feel like I don't feel like he't too far off. I don't I just, either. I don't either. I, I really don't. And, and every time he's gone down to the HL, you're looking at a guy that's been a really good AHL player. Yep. Been productive, been solid, has made that lineup better. I'm excited to see him tonight in the in the Eagles lineup. I think it'd be quite funny if he scored <laughs> any goals. You know, yep. um, score for the right organization this time, yeah, my man. Going to the right net would be yeah. cool. If after helping eliminate the Avs, it'd be great if he could help eliminate the Kraken <laughs> affiliate squad. That would be really nice. Like a nice <laughs> little piece of okay. Yep. Like maybe the universe doesn't hate Ben Myers. <laughs> uh on that note, we are brought to you by about a Fubo season. TV. You can go get yours at FuboTV.com slash DNVR to order today. You can also use that QR code on screen. When you do, you get 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro, which has over 140 different channels. It's I, I, I know it's called the streaming service, but it's just cable. It's just cable television. That it's, you, it's cable with it's just an app on your TV right, that is cable. TV. Right. It's just cable. And you can go over there. You you get channels like Altitude so you can watch your sports on that, which I'd like I'm a Rapids guy. So, you know, I don't mind that. I know they're also on Apple TV, but that's OK. Fubo's the way to go if you want an easy life. You don't have to dig through 17 different sites of streaming. You don't have to dig through all sorts of nonsense to find what you're looking for. With Fubo, you just turn your TV on, you turn Fubo on, you're going through the guide to find whatever channel, whatever show, whatever movie it is you want to watch. It also comes with a D, uh, DVR, excuse me. It's hard to say DVR when I say DNVR all the time. Uh, that has over a thousand hours of storage on it, so you can Keep all of your, your shows, everything. You don't have to watch live. You can store them all and then watch them at your leisure. Again, check them out at FuboTV.com slash DNVR today to get yours. And then we're brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. We're here at the bar where there's eight different kinds on tap. But if you're not local, you can still find it at your local liquor store. Use the Breck Beer Locator online at BreckBrew.com. Go get yours while you can. Everybody who comes here says, hey, you know, Breck Brew's actually good. I, I'm surprised. I came from whatever state I came from to the bar, and now I'm going to drink Breck Brew all the time. So it, they make good beer. I don't know what to tell you. They got dozens of flavors. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast here presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Megan, I'm, I'm curious what your thought on this is. Because the AHL has always been a league where there's a balance of 
they're trying to win. These are hockey players that want to succeed. And then they're also trying to develop NHLers. Which of those is more important for an AHL team, and, and how do they balance that? It's different every organization, I feel, depending on um, their window. And looking at this change with the Chicago Wolves wanting to become unaffiliated from an NHL team, yeah, that's going to change the landscape for the, the American arrogance. League. <laughs> well, yeah. It's gonna, well, it's going to change, too, just kind of this balance that you're talking about because I think what's obvious is there is probably, if you're being honest, a priority to the parent club. Um, and so through that, it can sometimes be of a detriment to the American League team. But I, 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 there were things that were done to bolster the American League group just as an American League group. That's um, the college free agent. Um, I get, is it Ryan Sandlin? Or am I getting him confused with Jason Pauline? One is just on an American League contract. That's Sandalin. Sandalin, okay. Pauline is on the. He's the NHL deal. NHL. He's got the okay. Sandalin. Um, that is a move that is made just to bolster the Eagles group. That is that is their interest. It doesn't mean too that there isn't possible, you know, hope sure. for him in the future. Sure. But um, David Ferrance, the four considerations trade is to bolster the Eagles group. Um, yeah. Gustav Rydell. Gustav Rydell, Anton Bleed, well, one yeah. of the only trade deadline. Like, this is depending on how you look at it, but even Shane Bowers, Keith Kincaid, they knew they were going to need to carry a third goalie in the playoffs, but they didn't want to leave the Colorado Eagles without two good, reliable goaltenders. That is not a knock on um, Trent Minor, but I think that is what it points to is I mean, I'm not going to knock Trent Minor. <laughs> Fair enough. If the organization would like to do that, that is their decision. But I, I see the value in having <laughs> Eustace Anunen alongside a goaltender that has a lot of NHL experience. I think that has been one reason they have done very well this season um, in having Jonas Johansson there. So whether it was Jonas Johansson as the third or Keith Kincaid, that was a really good option to have alongside Eustace. Um, so I think that's a move that's made for the benefit of the American League team. And then the Pete... Eustace himself for Eustace too because honestly Eustace he finished out the regular season with better save percentage than last year you look to it was much more consistent and sustainable over the course of the entire year a lot of that is you look at the beginning of his last year he was transitioning to North American ice he is definitely acclimated so much better and then the other part of that is working under the same goalie coach in Peter Budai for the entire season rather than just kind of getting things going January of, yeah. of last year yeah. um so I'm getting sidetracked. This balance that you're talking about, though, I think is hard to strike because, like you mentioned, it is to the benefit of the development of NHL futures to be playing alongside competitors, people who make the entirety of the league competitive. I think that's true, honestly, of a lot of the Pacific Division. I'm really grateful that the Carlton Eagles exist in that bracket because I do think it's a really competitive division. I think that is why they do still consider icing a competitive lineup it's for the benefit of the prospects and honestly just i i think it brings about organizational success with the prospects in mind too when they're playing alongside a more complete lineup that wasn't exactly the case this year because of things out of their control but i see where they made attempts to replenish the eagles i i think we've talked about the top of the as prospect pool on the forward side a good bit but is there things you want to add about a guy like an Alex Bocage, the weird situation with Matt Steinberg where he's on a 
tryout, but not a contract really yet. Are there expectations that the Avs are going to get some of these guys to to bolster their prospect pool at the pro level over the offseason? Someone like a Bocage, or like what is the role of Bocage? What, what's his role going forward? I don't want this to be a demerit of Bocage, but it does feel like his role is to to boost the American League team okay. um, in terms of who, who he gets to play alongside. I don't want to cap his ceiling out at the American League level. I just... That's sort of where I'm at with him specifically. Sure. Um, Steinberg's very much an an unknown, but he makes the decision to make the leap to the pros. So Mm -hmm. presumably he has learned what he has wanted to learn at the college level. That's going to be interesting to see. I asked him if NELC is in the works in the future, and it's something that he's working out with his agent. They're, They're weighing options. I don't know. So... What in the world could the options possibly be? Well, and he didn't use the word options, so I don't want to put that on him. It was just kind of like, that is something my agent and I are having conversations about. So I don't know. To be honest, I don't know what that means. Um, He seems to really enjoy it here. Having Malinsky as a built-in best friend, I think, has helped to make it a really slam-dunk decision to be here in in Colorado doing this. so is that how they get Barons to sign next year? Is they sign a just sign they the sign rest a, of DU, that's yeah. DU yeah. overager? I'll make he's down cooking in the East Coast League, <laughs> and they'll be like, "We're gonna bring him up, Sean, just for you." Yeah, <laughs> sign him and let them let the besties let that pairing reunite. That's actually I didn't even mention this, but in talking about moves that are made in the interest of the American League team, Kyle Mayhew, whether he's an East Coast or an American League guy, is not brought on to be an NHL player. In my opinion, I don't want to be mean. So whether that's just an HL deal, more yeah. organizational depth, but yeah. what I'm getting at here is that is just to continue boosting the depth in the organization, whether he sticks in the East Coast, the American League, hard to say. But I love that we call them East Coast players and they play in Utah. Yeah, <laughs> the league is called the ECHL. I know. I just it just kills me because it used to be. It, like on the east coast and then they expanded everywhere yeah, and else. now it's all yeah, over the place they're like, just, we're just, just gonna just call us the echl yeah. now that doesn't stand for east coast just trust go, us on go, this go enjoy your road trip into utah yeah uh okay i i'm sure there will be plenty of more prospect talk over the off season as we get through it but we real, do just real quick yeah, yeah. um prospects that we should uh, ahl prospects this year mm-hmm that should be part of roster math next year for the Evs. Yes. I mean, foodie for sure. I'm assuming in, and then we'll get games. One yeah. Way I'm assuming in and it's part of the goalie, like yeah. three, four, whatever yep. it is. But beyond that, I mean, Ranto Lawson. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like, let's go, let's go 10 call-ups deep. Yeah, sure. If they're not part of that, well, right? Do you and, have a real problem? Yes. And with Ranta and Olausen, it's what they earn next year, right? Like, they those are two guys that should be positioning themselves into, okay, they deserve a call-up. Okay. Do you feel this year was very different ter- in terms of players getting opportunities through call-ups? Obviously, the injuries forced that a little bit, but yeah. I do feel like we saw significantly more chances for players getting NHL opportunities so many young guys. than we did before, that even though the Bowers handling is disappointing, 
there are still a lot like getting foodie and nine NHL games is still kind of wild to me. Yeah. yeah. I, it's I've hard been, to believe it happened, honestly. I, I, I hope the lesson that the organization learned is they're like, oh, if we give these guys a little bit of rope in the NHL, sometimes it works out. <laughs> yeah. The Kevin McDonald influence. I don't want to point to just him specifically, but it's at the, the beginning of the year. It's the easiest thing to do because you look at this. is it's, it's a major break from previous year's behavior. And what's the major change in the organization? Kevin McDonald is your AGM of, is, is your GM of the Eagles. He said, and, and oh, Billington is not. Yeah. He said, be the best player here and your chance will come. Yep. At the beginning of the year, and I had doubts, but a lot of players did get chances. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to complain about the opportunity. If the abs are healthier next year, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Kovalenko uh, is still in the KHL, yeah, guys, for another year, and then, then if he you comes have that over, conversation if as he an comes NHL over, that is not an Eagles conversation. Yeah, it's got to be all. one and done into the National League. Yeah, yeah, he has to be. He's not. He's not leaving a top six job in the KHL to go play in to the come minors. Play, yep. Come play in Loveland. He won't. That it makes no sense. Uh, two super chats here. One from Vaguely Sober for five bucks. Who says Bo is waiver exempt? Could he not go down to help the Eagles? They did not paper him, so That's no, what's he really cannot. Sad is like yeah. last year they did for Newhook and Bo. I want to say yep. obviously they didn't need to mm-hmm. this year they didn't and it would have been nice if they had done yep. the paper transaction for gotta be part of the clear day roster and they were not uh and then five from d melly who says never comment but a listener since 2018 you have the most down-to-earth commentary which is really appreciated thank you for your non-stop coverage appreciate y'all uh we do got to wrap up this show but stick around for 10 minutes we are doing our previews of the second round of the nhl playoffs live uh, on a different set here at the bar. Yeah, so we're going to be downstairs in the bar. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, if you guys are interested in the NHL playoffs, even with the abs out, we got you covered. Come come, make fun of our predictions that we're, we'll be horribly wrong, I have no doubt. But should be a fun preview. We'll talk you guys through all four series. We hope to see you there, and we'll talk to you in a little bit.